This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Now, I realize it's OTAs, even here on Cardinals Underground, so I don't know if this is going to be a race of any sort, but who's going to be the first to work in a line, dare I say a cliche, from Top Gun, whether then or now? Who's going to be the first one to say that you feel the need (laughs) for speed in running an up-tempo edition of this podcast? Darren Irvin, Danny Sarek, and yours truly, Paulie Pencilek. Obviously, you just won, Paul. Congratulations. (laughs) Game over. We're done. You didn't even get a chance. Well, at least I'll be your wingman. So that's good. Okay, I'll let you guys. You guys can go ahead and take the controls. I'll just <laughs> merely be the wingman around here. So <laughs> you guys have seen well, it. Yes. See, this is the story of my life. I tried multiple times and went online, tried to find a ticket to the new Top Gun this weekend. Failed! God! And you guys actually got in. You know, people, that maybe, you're, maybe you're organized. I don't know. I, pr- I wait to the last minute. Well, you know, so of course well, I'm picky. on the outside you looking go to in. A, you want to go to a specific yeah, theater. Yeah, trying to go to the one with the big screen. Big, big screen, but uh, no such luck. I'm holding out. I'm holding out for the big IMAX experience, if I can. If I, I can. It's, I could see that it'd be worth it, but it was pretty good. My, my wife actually complained a little bit because in the theater, we were at the theater, the next the theater next door also was playing top gun at a different time so she was like i didn't like all the times when we're trying to have a quiet part of the movie and the walls were vibrating because they were in an action part so that's a fair fair thing i did not have that experience i really enjoyed it i thought it was a good movie it's good a vote yeah. from the 1834 demo there you go that's and a good. vote for the older demo first movie i've seen in a theater since moving out here was not a fan of the first one, to be honest. Oh, come on. Really. Back in the day, you were. No, I really never was. You see the comedian who took Tom Cruise and the pictures of Tom Cruise from 35 years ago in the original and what Tom Cruise looks like today, and he's maybe moved the decimal point over one. He's maybe aged 3.5 years versus 35 years. Just how good he looks well, that was, for 35 years later. What the? That was the... Uh, that was the same name of Tom Brady's going on here. Th- that's the tweet from like a few years ago, like Sean showing like Wilford Brimley was was 50 years old when he did Cocoon and they were showing like Tom Cruise when he was 50 and it was one of the Mission Impossibles <laughs> which by the way that was yeah. the other part that I thought was yeah. hilarious in the in the coming attractions where the new Mission Impossible is coming out with Tom Cruise and he's running and he he looks like he could probably run a, a nice 40 out here and the guys are and it's like two parts they're doing it in two parts because the part one is coming out maybe next year so, but I saw that it was part one, and I'm like, okay, I guess there's going to be they're breaking it in. It's one of those, hey, Tom Cruise, I want to do a four hour Mission Impossible. Hey, how about we break this into two instead? I've got nothing. I've never seen Mission Impossible, so. Oh, they're pretty good. Sorry. I'm going to comment on uh, D Hop, by the way, in his birthday. Speaking of the 18 to 34 demo here on Cardinals Underground, brought you to go. you by Pacific Office Automation. D Hop Nuke turns 30 as of today. The recording of this and the JJ Watt dilemma was what, Danny? 
what or what not to buy, uh, one DeAndre Hopkins. What do you buy, DeAndre Hopkins? Certainly not clothes, right? Right, because JJ said he doesn't know fashion, and DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> yes. is getting clothes right off the fashion line, yeah. right off the runway in Paris. So JJ said, yeah, can't afford that. <laughs> Speaking of age, I was enjoying the DJ Humphreys talking about the fact that I asked him how much longer it would be he'd have to play in the league before he was an old head. And he was starting to say, he was like, I don't know, it's got to be like five or six or more years. And I'm like... I don't think it works yeah. that way, DJ. That's I'm a moving target, DJ. You answered that question quite differently four or five years ago. Yes, yes. So, But he cited DeAndre Hopkins saying, even though did. Hop's now 30, he feels like well, he's part of the young he, crowd. And let me tell you something. When you turn 40, you're still trying to pretend you're part of the young crowd, but you're not. <laughs> I still can't. And we won't even talk about beyond yeah. that. I still can't say the last two five-letter five F words, 40 or, or 50. I can't say. Those are five-letter F words standing around here, so don't even bring that up around here, okay? You guys are young. By the way, as I segue, <laughs> speaking I wish didn't sound so disingenuous. of D-Hop, there was actual news regarding DeAndre Hopkins from Cliff Kingsbury. Darren, do yes. tell, because I believe it's on azcardinals.com in detail. Yeah, I mean, and, and essentially he was just saying he's going to be full go at training camp, which I don't think was a huge... Uh, surprise to anybody, but the the bottom line is uh, he will be able to get it back out there. He's not doing anything really in OTAs, which I'm not surprised at that, and I doubt he'll do anything at minicamp. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, to be honest, the, the bigger news was just him confirming, again, wouldn't be a big surprise, with how they're coming up with a plan of what he's going to do in training camp. You know, I, with him being suspended the first six games, you know, exactly how does that work? Do you work them more in training camp? Do you work them less? I mean, when Patrick Peterson was facing a six-game suspension, he basically faded out of a lot of stuff by the last couple of weeks of training camp, I thought, because they were trying to get other guys his reps, and he still didn't play much in the preseason. So, Yeah, you know, that's great. That's a great point because Cliff Kingsbury was the head coach in 2019 when that happened to Patrick Peterson so guess what the current head coach has been there and done that at first I was thinking no wait a minute that wasn't Cliff Kingsbury but it was Mm -hmm. so he has experience in this sort of situation and you're right unfortunately a Patrick Peterson who typically wouldn't play much in the preseason anyway by the last game or two did not play I believe at all and and you're right, he wasn't running first team by the time you got midway through August. Yeah, and, and, I, and I don't know if the same thing is going to be with DeAndre, and, and it's a little bit different of a situation just from the fact that DeAndre is not going to be able to do anything in the offseason where Patrick could still do some of the OTA stuff because it wasn't like he had been injured. So, I don't know. All right, well, we'll see on that one. Um, you know, and, and look, if you want to talk about happenings, uh, the other uh, thing out there was the Sean McVay wedding, and I can't believe that I didn't realize that Cliff Kingsbury, speaking of, had been at Sean McVay's wedding over the weekend, or maybe just maybe I would have lobbed that in at an opportune time during the press conference, but there it was, Peter Schrager tweeting out photos of Cliff Kingsbury with Sean McVay and the bride, correct? What would you have wanted to ask Cliff? What, what kind it? of cake they had? Oh, no, you got to keep it very, you know, very, very <laughs> superficial. Just, you know, how was the wedding? That's it. Just a very, you know, see if you get anything out of it now. <laughs> You got a probe, right? You put your toe in the water. Is he answering that question? Is he declining to answer that question? You know, you just sort of ask an initial innocuous question and see if there's uh, any sort of response to it. Then you go from there. But it looked like a good time was had for all. And then guess what? Coach McVeigh was given quite a wedding gift the day after when it becomes known that Aaron Donald has signed the line that is dotted for a massive new contract as everyone groans and shakes their head because, yes, 
the human wrecking ball will be in the uh, NFC West for at least uh, you know the next few years, right? They redid a three-year deal, basically. They yeah. tore it up and they gave him another forty million over the three years. Yeah, I correct? mean, all, the, all they did was give him a raise. He already had three years yeah. left on his contract, so they yeah. just redid. It. I, I'm curious, did you either one of you ever actually think he wouldn't be around? You know, I started thinking about it, but then when James Conner, some inside info, was in the big red rage, right? He's in this studio. When he said that he'd been working out with Aaron Donald in Pittsburgh, I'm like, dude's not retiring. This, Come on. This was always about trying to pressure the Rams to give him more sure, money. That's sure, it. Sure. End of story. But they fell for it. I'm not sure fall for it, but I mean, they must have taken it seriously to a large degree to give him that sort of raise and tear up the existing three years and reward him. With basically three years, ninety-five million, sixty-five million guaranteed over the first two years, and then thirty million in two thousand twenty-four if he so chooses. Do y'all remember about two months ago when there was a thought that maybe Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Donald will not be in the <laughs> NFC anymore? Now look at us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was. I remember talking to a player, and he basically said, "This was dumb. This is this is him just trying to get more money, and he was going to get more money." And the thing about retiring is, is are you are you I, I guess it's the nice way to try and put the pressure on for, for getting more money. Because I'm guessing behind the scenes he wasn't threatening retirement because he wanted yeah. to. He was probably saying, I'm walking away unless you give me more money. Hey, Cooper Cup might be asking himself, maybe that's what I have to do to get a rework deal. Because Cooper Cup, Mr. Triple Crown winner this past year, and the best receiver in the league a year ago, is a good $10 million shy per year of what the top receivers are making. So... The Rams have another headache on their hands. And, you know, there's been a lot made of, you know, the whole Les Snead T-shirt, you know, um, F those picks. Yeah. Well, uh, what about the cap? You know, where I mean, you guys know I started this offseason, you know, railing and lamenting about how the Saints were able to make any sort of acquisitions when they were supposedly $74 million beyond the cap. What's going on there? What's the deal with the Rams? You you rail and lament about a lot of stuff, though, I just, Paul. I mean, it's hard what, to keep a track. What, what is going on with the Rams? How do they have the ability for some of these deals? I know they lost Von Miller, but still. And OBJ isn't in the fold, so I guess those – although they paid OBJ in Bitcoin – How'd that work out, OBJ? <laughs> Not so good. Not so good. Note to self if you're a player Jeez, out there. Paul. I mean, DJ Humphreys, if you're going to get that new deal, I mean, my goodness, you know, DJ, do not take it in crypto, okay? Just please. <laughs> By the way, you asked DJ Humphreys about a new deal. What was his uh, comment about the position he plays? Oh, he goes, left tackles don't grow on trees, baby. <laughs> Which he's right. Look, he's I, right. I, think, I think he's going to be around. Um I think at some point you're going to have to commit to your guys. It, actually, what I found that was humorous. I mean, DJ's whole press conference, he was in, it was Great like spirits. he saved up his yeah. DJ-ness for like yeah. this press conference. Hey, but there's a reason we had him on the Big Red Rage for a few years. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the part where he kind of admitted that, you know, COVID kind of set him back a little bit. And then Cliff even said it wasn't just COVID, it was you know, some of other injuries that were kind of hampering him. But to, to DJ's credit, if you're out there, you're supposed to play at a high level, and I wasn't, and he said that. I wanted to get in. I can't get into these press conferences. Number one, I'm sitting too far back. Number two, uh, every time I start, somebody clips me because I'm, I'm cognizant of, of not clipping the person in front of me for audio purposes. But see, a lot of the writers, <coughs> Darren, uh, not you, but a lot of your colleagues over there, don't mind stepping on the end of a player's soundbite yeah. to ask the next question, okay? So I get it. what I wanted to ask him was, if your quarterback gets a massive Mondo mega contract, then what does that mean for the guy who protects his blind side? 
right? I, I mean, what do you do about the left tackle? If Kyler Murray is going to get $40 million plus per year, I would think DJ Humphreys is going to be a good, pretty good position to negotiate, have quite a bit of leverage at his disposal. I agree. The only thing you have to think about is that every single starter on that offensive line, except for center Rodney Hudson, is entering a contract year. Now, do I think that lessens the likelihood of DJ getting a new contract? No, not necessarily, but there's going to be a lot of moving parts into Humphreys or any of these other offensive linemen getting a new deal. I think something, too, that's really interesting is looking at that right tackle position. It's where Kelvin Beecham was playing starting last year. Josh Jones, their draft pick, uh, 2020, yes, right, was round. playing at right guard, but they they want him at tackle. Yes. So I was thinking about this today of wondering if we are in the stages of another Jordan Hicks, Zayvon Collins situation. Is this going to become something where even if, you know, Kelvin Beecham beats out Josh Jones and is your right tackle all year, Beecham's in a contract year. Is this going to become something where they want it to be Josh Jones and maybe that's just what it becomes in the future? That's just something I was thinking about today when we were talking to DJ about all the offensive linemen entering a contract year of that's something to kind of keep your eye out, not just through training camp and, you know, competition battles, but just all year of what is that going to transpire and, you know, what's going to be unfolding before us and if it's something we've seen before. Yeah, that's plausible. I think so. That's feasible. Absolutely. How much progress does Josh Jones make this year? How many meaningful snaps does he get? Is it really a competition in camp? To your point, if you want to use the Jordan Hicks, Zayvon Collins competition, you can call it a competition all you want. But then once you get to August and the pads come on, is it? Everyone can see that Kelvin Beecham, at least right now, unless Josh Jones has made serious strides in the offseason, is going to be the more reliable option for the quarterback. And we know the quarterback has to trust in thy offensive line. So if that's the case, now, Kelvin Beecham, age, offhand, 32, 33, by the end of going into next year, we'll see. But once again, it, and knowing the respect that Kelvin Beecham has in that locker room, just like a Zayvon Collins, 32 is what you're saying. Okay, Kelvin You're allowed Beecham. to talk, Danny. Uh, and so <laughs> – I don't want to interrupt him. I now like you, the now hand signals. Ruined, now you ruined it, Darren. I, I like the hand signals, though, over Golly. there. So <laughs> now, if, if, and look, if Kelvin Beecham – everyone knows is the more viable option than how do you get Josh Jones in the lineup? Well, when Kelvin Beecham's no longer under contract. So yeah, there could be some similarities, but again, Josh Jones is going to have to prove himself at right tackle. I mean, there's a reason why he didn't push him a year ago, right? And they had him at right guard because he was a convincing win in the competition. If we're going to start talking about the analogies, then, I mean, the same thing supposedly happened with Collins and Hicks and they still did it. I mean, at some point, um, you, your two choices on those things, and, and I look at this for like Collins and Hicks, or if we want to say Jones and Beecham, which is you're not going to get better unless you play. And yeah, you're, you might take some steps back as you're going, but if you're going to, if you're going to say, okay, then we're going to stick with the older guy because we're more comfortable with him and because this and that, you're never going to get younger. And yeah, you can sit here and say, well, that just means you got to draft somebody that is better, but you're, you're never going to have any kind of con- continuity or consistency. It's, it's already, this roster is already kind of in this weird place. And you're, and Danny's talked about it a lot about because of, of these things. I mean, when you look at all the number of people, uh, all the number of players for next year that are uh, not under contract right now, I mean, there's a lot and there's a lot of guys that are, um, 
key players or key reserves. I mean, we could go down that list, you know, and um, A.J. Green and uh, is Eno Benjamin going in his last year? I don't know. James Conner's not, obviously. Zach Ertz is long-term, so the tight ends are okay. But we've Darryl about Williams, the, a one-year deal. Darryl Williams. The, we talked about the offensive line, obviously, most of them on the defensive side of the ball, Watt and Golden and uh, Byron William, uh, Byron Murphy and Zach Allen. And, you know, it's just you're, you're – I, I know you got to kind of figure this stuff yep. out, but for me, Jalen Thompson, I think, Jaylen is going Thompson into last year. Yeah. Yep. So, and you kind of, I mean, look, we broke this down last week. There's four or five players who would be at the top of that list. Jalen Thompson, arguably, might be the guy atop that list. You're going to get a deal done sometime in the near future. And then, of course, there's Kyler hanging out there, and we bring it up because he was not at OTAs. I, you know, I don't feel like that was a shocker, it wasn't a surprise. When Cliff Kingsbury didn't answer Darren's question from the week before, you knew it was a possibility at the very least. And so there you go. It was the Colt McCoy show along with a couple of uh, unknown rookies out there. And yeah, I don't know. Big deal. Not a big deal. Danny, what do you say? Not a big deal because once again, he was not the only veteran, not the only starter, not out at voluntary OTAs. Now next week at minicamp, be a different story. I would expect to see Kyler out here all week and that's what Cliff Kingsbury told us last week in his presser is what he expects as well as to have Kyler out here for minicamp again not not a huge concern for me especially having Kyler out here last week Kyler's been out here throughout the offseason and it, it, the, his teammates who have talked emphatically have you know sounded like they're not concerned either I first of all he's gonna I, the idea that he's not going to be a mandatory minicamp is stupid. He's going to be here for mandatory minicamp. Now, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. We don't know. He may end up showing up for the, the rest of the week. We True. Don't, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the, the, there's, always that, there's always that issue to, to me when you have an OTA on a Monday. Because if a guy's doing something for the weekend, he just it might be a pain in the ass to get back for Monday. And maybe Tuesday works better. Plus, this is a week of four OTAs instead of three if you skip Monday. And again, I don't know. By the time you're listening to this, uh, dear listener, it, it might be Tuesday or Wednesday. And he already might have missed two more. So for all I know. But I don't, I don't know if it's a lock. But see, Darren is operating on a day-to-day basis because that's exactly what the head coach told him last week in answering his question. That's true. They were around here on a day-to-day basis. Hence, you know. And Matt Burke did say the new D-line coach when he was running guys through the drills and the cones and the sled, get the weekend out of you, was the, his oh, mantra like when he was yelling at guys. Get the weekend out of you as he was getting, you know, imploring guys We're to get off the ball. We're going to start having Tim do that in our meetings. I was going to say, yeah, I like that. I'm going to start yelling that to people yeah. around the office. But let me ask you this, all right? I don't mean to stir it up here or anything. Oh, sure yes, you, you do. Let's this, hear it. This, this is more of a theoretical, philosophical question of sorts <laughs> when it comes to the importance of OTAs and whether we should be shocked and or personally offended by the franchise quarterback not being in attendance. When J.J. Watt, near the top of his press conference, is asked about the importance of these voluntary OTAs. I asked that. You did? Okay. I did. And did he not, I'm trying to remember, did he not go into a bit of a soliloquy about, you know what, yeah, in my book, in my opinion, these OTAs are important because you can't get better at football without playing football. He did say that, but... How did he you, start it, Paul? Contextu- contextually, okay. the first words out of his mouth Help was, me here. this was only about me. I'm not talking about anybody else or anybody okay. else's process. Okay, I honestly didn't remember that. Yeah, I guess I'm, you know, I'm in the back. Because I didn't, I didn't say Kyler, and I was only asking about him. Okay, 
but he's not a dumb man and he understands that given the circumstances people could make the draw the parallel between him his answer and the quarterback not being there so he made very clear that he was not saying it was across the board but you're right he did say he thinks you need to play football to get better at it because if not for that disclaimer or qualifier dot 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 people could have drawn some parallels right I mean, J.J. Watt is very experienced in sending messages through the media. Hello, we just hosted that golf match with Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes. All those guys missing OTAs for it, by the way. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, Maybe that was his final jab at the guys golfing, you know, and, and, and Barkley. Maybe that was him and Barkley in their final jab at the four quarterbacks. I also think you have to think about who J.J. is, and that's not necessarily to take away from Kyler or any other of his teammates. J.J. even said he's like, in the offseason, I don't I don't take off more than three days in a row. He said, I was in here working out the day after the season ended. So that's his mentality. That That is J.J. I would also like to think that it's probably different if you're Kyler Murray or J.J. Watt. The types of moves you're working on at this point in the offseason, it might be a little easier for Kyler if he's working on throwing down in Dallas, you know, by himself with his own coaches. And it would probably make more sense for J.J. to want to be out here with all the equipment. Like, there's so many different things, I think, that come into play when – you're just trying to make an assumption of J.J. Watts out here. He said it was so important. You only get better by playing football. You know, it's just it's different for every person, and that is how J.J. started his statement, and this is what he's learned over the years has worked best for him is staying on track because he said once you get off the track, if you're taking a month off at the beginning of the offseason, it is that much harder to get back on track. And, and he also said as part of that explanation in the last month, whenever that was, that because he missed more than half the season – he yeah. felt compelled to be there the day after the season ended. Now, if he would have wrapped up another NFL Defensive Player of the Year campaign and he had played all 17 games in the playoffs and you know, and had played 1,000 snaps, then okay, I'm guessing he would have taken a three-week Bahama vacation, and he would have earned it. And, and, and look, just the fact of the way the season played out, and to his own admission, he felt compelled to be there the day after the season ended to make sure that he's ready to go for this season. I mean, again, I I get I, it. I think part of it is is him, and I agree with you. I think if he had played more, maybe that changes the equation. But all these guys are going to be different, and um, that's kind of how it just plays out. I mean, uh, Zach Ertz is on the newest uh, Dave Pash podcast, uh, which will be dropping soon, and. You know, Zach Ertz is the same kind of guy. He wants to be around the facility most of the time, and he's got a kindred spirit in J.J. Watt, and they've connected, which is nice, um, but not everybody's going to be like that. And it's it's one of those things where, and I know we talked about it last week, but I don't, at this point, as I've watched this long enough, it's less about the process to me than the end result. I If somebody can get to wherever they need to get to, however they get there, I don't care. Now, if you're not doing something and it's you're not producing then you're you're going to feel the wrath whether you are here for all the OTAs or you're not I mean if Kyler was here for the entire offseason and they still have the end of the season I don't know what everybody's going to bitch about but they're still going to be mad at him for not playing well and then what do you point to it it can't be well he wasn't around for a a chunk of the offseason so I mean I'll give you an example look at last year's week one and remember some of the consternation in August about, oh, geez, you're not running much in your offense. And remember all the media blowback and oh, it's too vanilla. And don't you need to finalize and formalize a lot of this kind of stuff and make sure it's ready to go and knock the rust off. And instead, Cliff Kingsbury is more inclined to keep that stuff hidden 
and just run something ultra generic during the preseason. Now, he did it to a much greater degree his first year, but he still does it to a large degree. So what happens in week one in Nashville? Cardinals come out and they just jack stomp the Titans. And did he not work in a little snarky, uh, well, what's the preseason mean now, guys? Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he, he kind of, and, and, and he earned it. They went out there and they smashed the Titans. And he said, now what do you guys think about the importance of the preseason? So to your point, Darren, you could be at every OTA and you can come out on the first day of pads in training camp and get your butt kicked and it's not going to matter. Or you go out in week one this year against Kansas City, and guess what? No one's going to remember the OTAs or mandatory minicamp or training camp if you don't produce and perform when the regular season kicks off. When thinking about J.J. Watt's work ethic, I think that would be Darren in our department. Why, thank you. (laughs) Do you agree with that? There was a pause, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good thing, right? Okay. No, it's not a good thing when you're not the Bickersons. It's not a good thing. I'm just going to tell you that right now. All right. But you're right. I, I will I will admit that, yes, Darren, I think Darren earlier today said he's going to be on vacation. Unless I'm needed on Friday, you can call me and I will be ready to work. So <laughs> well, that's good to is, his credit. The middle part of the week, yeah. I'm sure at some point yeah. I will be looking at stuff. So because I, now, I can't not. Look, if you guys are looking for something to bicker about, I'm going to give you my keys to this season because I just modified them on the fly based on what Danny was saying a moment ago. Oh, I had, no. I had three keys to the season, but I'm going to add a fourth. Okay, here we go. Keys to the season. Pauly Pigskin, number one, brutally obvious, your quarterback, Kyler Murray. You go as your quarterback goes. We all know that. Number two, Zavin Collins. Key to the season, number two for me. Just the quarterback of the defense. Can he do it? He's got the skill set. He's got the measurables. Does he have the mindset yet? Doesn't he have the experience? How big of an experiment is this going to be? How costly could it be if he's not in the right spot at the right time or making the right check or the right call? We don't know. So that's the second biggest key to the season, in my opinion. Number three, and this was a little bit self-serving based on last week's guest on the Big Red Rage, Devon Kennard. But it points to what I'm about to say. Can you get to the quarterback? Because the number one most important thing in any NFL game is the quarterback. Number two is getting to the quarterback. Can the Cardinals get to the quarterback? Who's the guy opposite Marcus Golden this year? Hence, Devon Kennard, I think, is your leader in the clubhouse to be the starter opposite Marcus Golden. Just the fact that he's started a half dozen seasons in the NFL already before he came to the Arizona Cardinals between the Lions and wherever else he played, the Giants. And so, but you know what? You guys bringing up J.J. Watt. Reminds me of what Cliff Kingsbury said in the press conference on this Monday. And that was, man, when J.J. Watt was in the lineup those first seven games of the season, it was a different defense. And, and, and a lot like what James Conner does for the offense, guys feeding off the physicality and the mentality. I mean, players really rally around and are inspired by a J.J. Watt on defense. And, and I saw it on, on the sideline that first month and a half. And if, if he can just stay healthy, that's why I'm making it the fourth key to the season. If 99 is just healthy, it's not only what he brings, but it's how he elevates everyone else around him on that defense and on that sideline. And that is a critical key to this year, no doubt. I think that is key is his teammates around him being elevated and stepping up because last year he had Chandler Jones. So when the two of them were out on the field together, you had to prepare for both of them. Not saying J.J. couldn't hold his own against double teams or anything like that now that Chandler is no longer with the Cardinals. However, the rest of this defense, that front seven, is really going to have to step up to try and take some of that pressure off J.J. to allow him to do what he does best. So like Zach Allen, like 
whether it's Dennis Gardeck or Devon Kennard, Marcus Golden, all those players stepping up to take some of that pressure off J.J. Watt. Because right now, if you're the offense and you're lining up, that that's you're circling 99. Whereas last year, you also had Chandler Jones in the mix. I think that's something that can also that that's going to have to come into play to allow J.J. to have a great year again as well out here. I mean, right now it's such an unknown. The opposite of Marcus Golden. Could it be a Dennis Gardeck who met the media and reiterated that he feels much closer to the way he did two years ago than than last year? He has the twitchiness back and, and, and you know, his attitude, and he still wants to play special teams, but he's always pressing to be a starter. I love the little anecdote from Cliff Kingsbury that Gardeck barely even talks to him because he's still mortified he's going to yeah, get cut at funny. any time. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Well, and Dennis said, he goes, I – I it's still making the 53 man roster is still the most important thing to me. And I really like the fact when he talked later about uh, rehabbing from the ACL and when he first started and it, it just rang true to me so much because this is what every player tells you when he's coming back from ACL. I guarantee you, I'm going to come back stronger from this. Right. And, and Dennis said that at first he was that guy. And then he started realizing it would be better for him and probably more truthful if he says, not only do I can I not guarantee that, I can't even guarantee I'm going to play again. And and using that, for lack of a better term, that fear to, to motivate him, because for him, that really works in his advantage. And I you just, you got to love guys like that. It's funny, I, you mentioned Kennard being the other starter. I don't, I don't even know who, who would be, I mean, you're like, it's likely Devon Kennard. I, I I think he's you're really your yeah. only choice, yeah. uh, given who you have on the roster right now. Um, with all due respect to Dennis Gardeck, and I and I love Dennis, but you can't put him out there on first and ten. He's undersized, and it's just not going to work. He's a specialist. That if he's on the field as an outside linebacker, pass rusher, it's got to be in an obvious passing situation. So, um, but I do think that having guys like Gardeck, having a pro like Kennard. You know, I, I think those can help. And we'll see, again, how Vance Joseph can dial all that up uh, like he had to do in 2020 when Chandler Jones was hurt. Yeah, Could the rookie out of Cincinnati, Amai J. Sanders, be a situational guy, just a plug-and-play guy when he can just use his athleticism? Devon Kennard raved about the athleticism of Amai J. Sanders on the Big Red Rage. Okay, you know, can he just design something simple? Go get the quarterback. It's third and seven, that, that kind of thing. I mean, obviously we could see something in that, but – Darren pointed out last week the Cardinals now have another $10 million in cap space available post-June 1st after Jordan Phillips. So dot, 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 are we going to get that time time sign at edge rusher between now and training camp? I mean, honestly, Danny, it's more likely than not, don't you think? That they will be bringing in you know, a veteran? or yeah. so, Absolutely. To Darren's am point. I, am I convinced it's at edge rusher? No. I think if it's not edge rusher – you know, coming off, you know, the recent tragedy of losing Jeff Gladney, I think cornerback would make sense as well. So So let's let's do this. What's our power ranking for time time, time signs? signs at position wise? I mean, number one's gotta be cornerback at this I point, agree. isn't it? Yes. I, I do yes, I, I do agree. I mean yeah. Now, Robert Alford, is that going to be a big time time sign if that's indeed where they're going? And apparently he is on the radar, according to Cliff Kingsbury, it is a possibility. Robert Alford could be back. So, yes, that would check that box. But typically when we talk about a time time sign, it's an outsider. It's a it's a big name guy. The latter stages of his career, trying to recapture some of that production at age 32, 33 in a, a one-year deal. There's a couple guys still floating around out there. But I, in terms of position, 
I think cornerback's got to be number one on the power rankings. And I think number two, hmm, I think number two for me probably would be defensive line at this point. Not not pass rush, but defensive line. Let me ask you this. When Cliff Kingsbury was asked about Daryl Williams and why Daryl Williams, he said, well, we have James Conner and a lot of youth, a lot of unproven guys. Now, guys we like, and Eno Benjamin and yeah. Jonathan Ward, but it's unproven. We brought in a guy who's played in a lot of big games with the Kansas City Chiefs hosting four straight AFC championship games. Could you use that same thinking to put our heads into the people in the war room and the decision makers for defensive end, for edge rusher? And then, I'm sorry, for outside linebacker, edge rusher in this case, could you – you do have a rotation of D linemen to a degree, right, Darren? I mean, well, between J.J. Watt and Zach the, Allen and Richard Lawrence and Lecky Fotu – but but we can you can say that about every position, Paul. You can say, well, they've got enough cornerbacks on the roster, but are they the cornerbacks you want? And and I'm with again, I don't I but, don't know. But they're what, legitimate cornerbacks. They're legitimate D linemen. Once you get beyond Marcus Golden, to your own point, you have a lot of situational type players beyond. I'm um, so beyond Marcus Golden and Devon Kennard. Devon Kennard's an every down player. Beyond those two, do you have another every down edge guy? that you can trust right now, I guess is my point. Well, I and again, I see what you're saying, and I, I'm guessing that, that your defensive linemen at this point that you have have more experience, but are they somebody you trust? There's that's a, there's a nuance there. That well, they brought in Kingsley Kike, right? Yeah. I mean, experienced guy. I think yeah. that's what you have to think of is the players you have now on that front line, do you trust them enough to stop the run to where you could prioritize an edge rusher, or is it... See, for edge rusher, for me, I still think you've got things you can play with. I think you can throw Isaiah Simmons out there. I think you might be able to throw Zayvon Collins out there once in a while, depending. Are those ideal situations? No. And would I like to perhaps add a, a pass rusher if the right one was there? Sure, but the thing about that at this point is... Okay, you're you're gonna play Marcus Golden, and and granted injuries play a part of this, but you could only let's say everybody stays healthy. Okay, well you're gonna keep Cam Thomas on the roster, and you're gonna have Sanders, and you want Kennard, and you want Golden, you want Gardeck. How many outside linebackers are you gonna have? You do need one more. You would, yes, you would absolutely need at least one more. So maybe, I don't know, but. To your point about you know the defensive front and and stopping the run, and then getting creative with an Isaiah Simmons, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I I don't buy it. I don't buy the Cardinals, any of the coaches, and they say, oh, we're keeping him at inside linebacker. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think you're going to see him at safety. I think you're going to see him play in center field. I think you will see him on the edge, Danny, like like you brought up. I think Isaiah Simmons will be an X factor, and they'll move him all around. That's what they like about him, the hybrid. Yeah. So I guess. Does it does it make the Cardinals does it make Steve Kimes' job easier knowing that your focus is defense because none of us even there, there's nothing left on offense, right? Does that make your job easier knowing you're focused on one side of the ball? Yes, I, I believe so, and I would I would agree with that. I mean, I'm racking my brain thinking who else, what else are you going to bring on on the, on the offensive side? We still don't know what the deal is with Max Williams, uh, but you do have a lot of tight ends in camp. Uh, there's one guy, um, number 84, who uh, now really tread lightly on this, okay? This is Paulie Pencilneck saying uh, is an early candidate 
for the Pauly Pigskin Breakout Player of Camp. Now, this is this is something I've been doing for a good 10 years, Danny. I take some guy way off the radar, and I just project going into training camp, who I think is going to make a name for himself by the end of August. Um, not sure what my batting average is. We don't really need to go there. Um, but I will say that this 84 David Wells, the tight end out of San Diego State, uh, I don't know. I've kind of liked what I've seen so far. Now he might get blowed up at the point of attack once they get into pads. I have no idea. But he's got the size. He has the hands. He seems to move well. And uh, I'm just saying that uh, I think he'll maybe stick through preseason at least and get a look. We'll be sure to write this down. <laughs> Date time, player. Yeah, no, way too early. Roster projections yeah, here before mandatory minicamp. For me. I mean, David uh, Wells was on the practice squad last year, and I think he was on the active roster for a while. Okay. Um, there you go. Obviously, they had some injuries at that position too, so we'll we'll yeah. we'll see what happens. I, you know, until we get some clarity on Max Williams, that's a really tough position to kind of get our heads around. To be honest, I, I will say this: that Mike Bercovici a recently elevated offensive assistant under Cliff Kingsbury, the former ASU quarterback, was on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports last week with Wolf and Luke. And, and, you know, he was dodging a lot of the questions, but he did say at one point that running the ball is the key to winning, quote, end quote. And so I'm still on board, at least as of right now, until we get into week one against Kansas City, thinking that minus D-Hop, it will be more balanced than ever, run versus pass. That's just so my expectation, mm-hmm. and they're not going to show anything in preseason once again to give you an indication. That's just my guess based on what we're hearing and reading between the lines. Running the football because hops out or just in general, that's the key to winning? Both, especially when you have those first six games that I think it's going to be an emphasis like never before. That's just that's just my thought. I think when they look at last season, they say, what was clicking? Because how many times have we all asked that question? Jeez, mm, what was working when you were 10-2 and two versus how they finished? And you can point to the run game as a big reason why. Again, I, I just think we need to see, you know, mini camp more so training camp of how are they going to use – they're running backs without Chase Edmonds. That that him and James Conner had similar but different skill sets, and they balance each other really well. And I think that's a big question of now that James Conner is your number one running back, how are you going to utilize everyone else in that room? How are you going to balance the reps? How are you going to attack the running game differently than last year? So while I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, I don't think it's as black and white as it worked really well last year because – the room is different. The skill set is different now. I, when they got off to that start, they were all healthy, including Hop. And I think one of the reasons the running game worked a little bit better was because you did have Hop out there. Um, yes, there's cause and effect. I would agree with that. I, I just, I think they're going to obviously need to be able to run the football. Yes, I think I'm going to say this again. I just, I think you're going to have a tough time winning if you're trying to run the football. Like if you tell me that you're going to go in against Kansas City in that first game and your thought is we can run and play defense and win the game, I don't think that's the right way to look at it. You're not winning that game 14-13? Is that I what you're saying? I don't think that's going to happen. And I, I thought you don't like early predictions. I'm just saying. I just I, I, I feel like obviously running the football remains a part of football. I'm not trying to downplay it, but it God it just gives off the stench of 1979, and I just don't like it. I just don't like it. All right. 
<laughs> Do you, would you like a hot take then? How about this, Darren? Wait, Maybe wait. I'll make aren't feel these better. all hot takes, Paul? <laughs> stop it. Stop it. I'm talking football over here. All right. Now I'm getting ready. I'm warmed up, so now I'm ready for the hot take. All right. Okay. Put your oven mitts on. Here we go. This is a hot take. If I said position battles going into camp, what positions would you cite? This is I want some participation true, here. True battles. True battles. Where, where are the true position battles? Okay, here we go. Here, here's your power rankings, position battles. There could be one, two, three, four, five. I, I don't see that many, but no. you tell me. How many, where are the legitimate position battles on this roster? Well, as it stands right now, um, hmm. I, I, go ahead, Danny. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm are we going to assume Max Williams is healthy and like him and Trey McBride would be a bit like? I'm going to say right now that I'm talking for like a starting spot. I'm expecting I, this is my complete guess. I'm expecting Max, Max Williams probably on pup to begin training camp. Now, when he would come off, I don't know, but I don't know if we're going to have a, but I don't know. I mean, for me, if you're talking about legit battles, yep. right guard. Yep. I mean, it's got to be Will Hernandez against Justin Murray at the very least, right? And I don't know if there's any other ones. Legit? Edge rusher, I know you got Devon Kennard penciled in there, but edge rusher, I think, is a battle. With who, though? To some degree. With well, who? I mean, I mean Gardak and, you See, know, one of the... I, I, yeah. I, I mean, unless you I know. I'm not I, even convincing I, to myself. I, I think Sanders, Sanders is raw enough that you've got to put him in a position where he's got to be... You go get the quarterback every time he's on the field, at least at first. And I think Gardick's too undersized. Could Cameron Thomas do enough that, oh, that makes more sense than Kennard at this point? Maybe, but I don't know. That feels very much like Zayvon Collins and Jordan Hicks. You know what? A week ago, I would have said backup running back because you always need at least two running backs, but that's now Daryl Williams, right? It's got to be his job to lose versus an Eno Benjamin, a Jonathan Ward, so. a Keontae Ingram. Got to be. I would think so, yeah. So, I mean, that leaves... And, and backup running back, I don't even think about... If we're starting to talk about battles at backups, we could find some of those. But to me, when you're talking about battles, I'm thinking about starters and... Yep. I guess now I'm expanding because there's so few. I'm expanding from regulars, yes. from starters to regulars. So a backup running like back is going to get a lot of reps. Yeah, that's true. Here's the other one is if you go nickel D, you got to have that third corner. Well, now because of the tragic passing of Jeff Gladney, who is that third corner behind Byron Murphy Jr. and Marco Wilson? That's Well, there's a reason why that's number one in our power rankings for assigning. So, okay. To so, me. I, I think the only, the only other position you could think of is, is once you start getting into week seven and D-Hop is back and your wide receivers. Good. Yeah. Depending on – but yep. it, by that point, you, you'll have a good idea of how Hollywood Brown and A.J. Green and Antoine Wesley are all – playing outside but that that's the only position and well, that's not even through halfway and and again that has to do with playing time because i right. think if you're talking about when hop is healthy your top three receivers are set pretty much in concrete with hollywood and hop and more so and the reason i bring this up and this is the part at which you might want to step away from the open flame <laughs> is that i'm going to throw the following position battle into the mix punter have you seen this nolan cooney dude i've seen him Dude. I haven't seen him punt. So. Big guy, 6'3", 200-something, Syracuse. If you read up on oh, his – does he know Craig? If you read up on his – if you read up on his on – his, don't even – don't don't even put Grealoux in the same category as a legitimate NFL player. And maybe your starting punter this year is where I'm going with this, Danny, okay, with a snarky response over there. Uh, this kid actually was this close to winning the job in New Orleans last year is my understanding. 
didn't get it. A lot of guys on that roster expected him to beat out the incumbent. He didn't. Uh, he comes in, big leg. Here's the other thing. He's also a very experienced holder. He, he held all the way through his years at Syracuse, and he can kick off if needed. He's got a big leg. He definitely can be an emergency kicker if needed. He could kick off, but he's an excellent holder. And if they're ever thinking about getting Matt Prater a new punter, well, it, it starts with the holder. And we know Andy Lee missed two games last year, right? And that was a borderline catastrophe because Matt Prater did not have confidence in the backup holder. So there needs to be that dynamic right there. So I'm just throwing that out there just because Andy Lee, as much as we all love Andy Lee, is turning 40 before training camp. I'm just wondering I if... I wish I could turn 40 before training camp. <laughs> I'm just wondering if Nolan Cooney, a uh, second-year dude out of Syracuse, could actually be a legitimate threat to a longtime former Pro Bowl punter in this league. I don't think that was an insanely hot take, Paul. It wasn't. It was a long you, take. Yeah, you... <laughs> but it was... I, I will say this. Yes, you think... I, I don't know. I feel like we always talk about Andy Lee getting beat out by somebody. We do. We do. And then at the end of I, it, he I, always ends up with a job. I've died on this hill before. <laughs> I mean, just 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 go ahead and call up our guy Kyle. I disagree, Odegaard, and uh, I've gotten a facial on the whole punter front before. I, I, I don't. Brutal. I haven't seen him kick to be honest yet. I mean, why I won't I learn my lesson? I didn't realize that he put up such a, a battle in New Orleans, which that kind of changes my perspective a little bit. I do think they wouldn't mind getting younger there. But I, I also think, like, I think at one point there was a lot of talk about Ryan Winslow, and they were really excited about him. It's true. Yeah. And I don't know if that had to yeah. come down to the holding or, or if it, again, comes down to the comfort level. See, that's where these coaches struggle, especially in positions like that. Yeah. Like, hey, we're very comfortable with we know We know what we're getting with Andy Lee. Ask Green Bay how it feels to suffer a special teams gaffe against the 49ers in a game that cost you the NFC Championship at home where the only touchdown scored by the 49ers was on the block punt. I'm not saying it was the punter's fault. I'm just saying that a special teams gaffe, to Darren's point, the prospect thereof can keep coaches up all night. And so, yes, they're going to err on the side of the known versus the unknown. It's very hard to break your way into the league via one of those positions I'm just saying that if it's inevitable and one of these training camps a 40 year old punter is going to come in he's going to have lost a little something off the fastball if that happens to be this August I'm just saying there seems to be a legitimate guy waiting in the wings perhaps that could press him I just say this he's going to get a legitimate look Uh, he he will definitely get an opportunity I think this August and, and we'll see. We'll see how it, it, it fares. The thing is you're gonna have to beat out Andy Lee decisively, aren't you? You're gonna really have if you're just as good, I don't know how much cost savings there would be versus Andy Lee's salary. Well see and, to me it know. wouldn't be about cost savings as much as getting younger and knowing you could have a guy in place for yeah. a while for the next decade potentially. I don't you, see Andy yeah. Lee kicking another five years, but right. then again, what yeah. do I know? Yeah. You don't know. I mean not much. I sh- See, I walk right into that. Yeah, what am I supposed to do? Just no, say nothing? I, I mean, I got to give you props. I, I mean, would have done the same thing. I mean, thing that if was, you had it was low it, hanging so. fruit, but it, thank it you. Really was. I mean, Andy Lee is on the Tom Cruise program. We, we, I mean, we can't say that. My goodness. Which brings us full circle here on Cardinals Underground. Um, 
By the way, that wasn't the only. Look, see, are you he, taller than Tom Cruise, Paul? You know what? I will. I'll, 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 I'll go. I'll block out Tom Cruise and pull a rebound. I'll go over the back of Tom Cruise for a rebound, and they won't even blow the whistle uh, for the foul either. I'll tell you that right now. I'm just checking because I'm like, there, there's a chance for you right there. See, that's, wh- a, that's a. I wanted to open the door for you. You want to hear my quick Tom Cruise story? Yes. I was at this uh, local driving school. Believe it or not, got it as a Father's Day gift. I went. And you get to drive around these race cars, and they teach you how to drive and the whole thing. Okay, and on the on the on the wall is all these pictures of celebrities who had been with all the race car instructors and because Tom Cruise had done Days of Thunder he had been there and he's in the racing suits and there's a picture and Tom Cruise for some reason has this ridiculous Mets hat on he's got like a New York Mets cap on and it's perched right on top of his head just like somebody placed it there and it's floating on air like what's the deal with the Mets cap and the guy smacks me goes you know why because Tom Cruise was shorter than the driver, and he wanted to make up the difference in the photo. Nice. So he put on the Mets cap at the very end. I'm like, come uh, on, come on. To to not the note not, to self. I might want to try that tactic not, every once in a while, when I'm, <laughs> especially when, I, when I'm interviewing linemen. Did you guys see the? Uh, and it's you can see it on YouTube when Tom Cruise takes uh, oh, the late night comedian James Gordon uh, Gordon Gordon to thank you, Holmes. Uh, uh, he takes him up on the plane. First of all, it's it's one of the most hilarious 10 minutes you'll ever see. So go look at it on YouTube. But the fact that I didn't realize Tom Cruise flew his own planes. And, like, that was one of the things. I did that not was, know that. Yeah. Well, and that was one of the things that made Top Gun kind of cool for me. Because I have no doubt that he flew some of those scenes by himself. And that, that dude's just a little crazy. Some of the stunts that he's done in his life. Yeah. And, and now flying those planes with the Gs. And he seems to really enjoy it. and maybe that's why he's shorter because he just got compressed <laughs> that's right oh, you know his spine got compressed. it's sort of like when you get off the international space station that's what the <laughs> astronauts say you grow like two inches in space because you don't have gravity weighing down your spine and there compressing you, you like an accordion that's a thing <laughs> it's a thing paul's you, going out in space soon this was 2017 i think cardinals and houston texans and we had the pleasure of going along to the johnson space center and nasa control where the moon landing in the late 60s took place the whole deal we took a tour michael bidwell got an invite well, as the, a guy of we're aeronautics. going to clarify right now the okay, moon ahead. landing didn't happen there because i don't want conspiracy <laughs> oh, theories come on. they they no. were watching the moon no. landing the moon landing no. actually happened on the moon there was no green screen in there thank where you. they I where just, they perpetrated I the moon landing wanna, i do not want to oh, be putting you. that out there Anyway, my point was that one of the tours is being led by a former astronaut who had spent six months in the space station. And according to him, he said that he permanently lost two to three percent of his bone density just by spending yeah. six months on the International Space Station. I'm going to skip the six months on the space station. <laughs> just saying. Oh, man. Because I do want to still no. grab some rebounds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How many leagues are you in, by the way? I'm are, in none. Are, are you in one of those am, over 50 leagues? I am, What's going no. on? No, no, oh, Here, no. This was always my theory no. about the older basketball leagues, and I talked to my friend Paul Coro about this. Here we go. You don't want to play in leagues of the older guys okay. because those are all the guys that were like super studs once upon a time. They're the ones that keep playing. The ones that were like me and like you just enjoy playing, you know, you realize after a while, okay, I shouldn't be in a league. The guys that keep playing in leagues – they're they're way too good, and I don't need that. You should join our bowling league. I haven't been invited. You have gone bowling with us. I've don't even, bo- don't even gone, try and put oh, it oh, out oh, there oh, like, oh, oh, I was not invited. I've been I've been bowling. I've been invited bowling. I was not invited to the bowling team. Our te- we technically have one person more than we should on our team. We didn't have a lot of room, Darren. And I'm, when you knew, I'm not we complaining. Could've... You brought it up. 
Now, wait a minute. I don't either get invited you, to play basketball either. Either I you, don't play basketball, so I have no say in how, that. How can this be a Bickerson's topic? Either you've been bowling with the crew or you haven't, Darren. I have. I just have not been uh, invited to play for BCBC. I see. Bird City Bowling Club. <laughs> Did you not know that was our name, Paul? I, I fell right for into that For those listening, one. I play in a bowling league now with uh, other coworkers of mine. And so you don't even need a team name. Technically, our, technically our team name would have been Lane 5 because that was the first lane they put us in in week one. But on the <laughs> BC, paper, we wrote BCBC. BC, BC. And we are getting shirts made. Yes. Does it say like BC squared? Do you have that up? No, Is that just the logo? BC, BC. No, okay. All right. You don't hesitate to talk about the bowling, Danny. I notice, uh, really, you have uh, this air of confidence with the bowling. Uh, are you are you fair? Are you the person to beat on the bowling lanes? Are you pretty good? You know, come what? on, I'm be not, honest now. I am not horrible. I've really improved since we started bowling in January because it had been a long time since then. I actually humble brag. Uh, in week one of the league, I was the overall best female bowler. There you go. Now I'm not the best on our team. That would have to go to Kyle Deroni, our videographer yeah. editor. He mm. is he's well, pretty good. And and there's anytime you do anything in life, Paul, you always want to describe yourself as not horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what you need to do is take a page, almost literally, out of DJ Humphreys, uh, what he told the media that he's going to write a little how-to book for JJ Watt and Zach Ertz. So yes. maybe you should write a how-to BCBC bowling manual. Ooh, there maybe I should. I don't think anyone on the no. team would read it. Because. <laughs> Humphrey's going to write about uh, child rearing, by the way, if for anybody's wondering. Not not necessarily football playing, but child rearing. I also wanted to ask him if he's handy around the house, if he fixes stuff. I, hum- couldn't, I couldn't get in with that question either. Brutal. I'm just going to start stepping on people in these press he, conferences. He's been spending his off-season changing yeah. light bulbs yeah, and right. new toilet paper yeah. rolls. This is yeah. what happens. You get off of Zoom. Kevin was complaining about the same thing, about getting cut off. You got to get back into the That's swing right. of things. I know. I got to Without start Zoom, the hand's not up. You got to get your stuff in there. It's Come like, on, Paul, be aggressive. This is where Darren's basketball be, be serves him well. He's used to throwing the elbows and kind of giving a guy a hip check. You know, he's like, okay. If you hear somebody talking while you're talking, just keep talking and get louder. <laughs> They'll shut up. Okay. Unless it's us, then we will not no. stop for you, Darren. That seems like a good spot to, you know what? There, at least there's a takeaway. There's something for me to, that's my homework assignment for next week on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.